listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. I'm your host, Farhanez Rally, and in today's edition of Drishti Point, we have with us Heather and Benji Wertheimer from Shantala. Heather and Benji, I know it's not your first time in Vancouver, but I hope you're excited about coming back to this city. Yes, definitely. We love Vancouver, and it's, it's such a beautiful city. It's a lot like where we live in Portland, Oregon, so we feel really at home. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear about how you both came to the practice of kirtan. Well, we both came through different ways, and I'll, I'll tell you about mine, and then Benji can tell you about his path to kirtan. For myself, it, it came, as it has for many people in the West, through yoga. For about the last 23 years, I've been really in love with yoga, and through the communities of yoga that I was involved with, I, be, I got exposed to kirtan because people brought a guitar or, or a harmonium, and they just started chanting. And for myself, I was pursuing a whole path as a folk singer-songwriter, and um, doing some performing and um, loving the creative process, but it was a separate thing from my yoga for a long time. When Benji and I met, um, and he'll tell you he has a very extensive uh, long-term background in Indian classical music, we we combined our our musical skills, and I, I brought Benji to yoga class one day with John Friend, a special workshop in Portland. And for the closing Shavasana, Deep Relaxation, Benji played the Esraj, which is a, a unique and beautiful bowed instrument from India. And uh, John fell in love with the Esraj. And through many twists and turns, we ended up accompanying workshops with John Friend. And then people started asking us to leave Kirtan. And we said yes and, and fell on that path and, and fell in love with that as well. So for you, I guess it was a natural marriage between your practice of yoga and your path as a folk singer and songwriter. Yes, and to me, when you go deep into the creative source, it, it goes into a very deeply spiritual place. So I find a lot of continuity between those different modalities, between yoga, chanting, meditation, and the creative practice of writing music, writing songs. Wonderful. And now I'm, I'm very curious to hear Benji's version because it always seems that there's always two ways of looking at the same thing and many different ways of coming to the same place. Absolutely. And, uh, well, I have been a very dedicated practitioner of yoga for uh, over 30 years now, but the yoga that I was first exposed to is what is known as Nada Yoga, the yoga of sacred sound and vibration. I was blessed to uh, be a student of both uh, Ali Akbar Khan and the great Zakir Hussain uh, for many, many years. And so my initial take on yoga was through the music. And when Heather and I first met each other, it was in the context of her being a folk singer and songwriter and me also being a singer and a songwriter that was working with the Portland Songwriting Association. And um, as we got to know each other better, I learned quite a bit about the practice of hatha yoga and learned to love that very much. And at a certain point, uh, once we played for John Friend, as Heather mentioned a little while ago, I got this really enthusiastic email from none other than Krishna Das, uh, <laughs> uh, raving about my CD, the Soul of the Esrise CD. It just came out of the blue. I just felt so blessed. And he wanted me to come down to Los Angeles uh, going on 10 years ago now to record the Breath of the Heart CD. 
And uh, that kicked off a whole new direction in my life that beautifully melded, of course, with, with Heather's and my marriage. And so we have a marriage on many different levels in many different kinds of yoga. And it's a blessing to travel all over the world and be able to share this practice with great hearts everywhere. So kirtan is um, a practice of bhakti yoga. And how do you each feel kirtan as a way of expressing devotion for divine? Well, I might start um, on the answer to that, and I'm sure Heather has some beautiful perspectives to share as well. But what I have found is from the very, very beginning, the whole practice of music as I was exposed to it in India was not seen so much as an entertainment as it was seen as a sadhana, as a spiritual practice. And the spiritual practice was to give yourself freely, utterly, and completely to the divine and to work with sound and vibration to do this. And for me, the practice of kirtan is a beautiful meeting point between bhakti yoga, this yoga of pure love and devotion, with that of nada yoga, with the sacred vibration and sound, and coming together in this group to share this practice. Everybody lifts each other up, and uh, it is just, it's almost a miraculous experience constantly that we get to see what happens when we open our, our hearts, when we raise our voices together. In order, just to, um, before we get on to Heather, in the practice of Nada Yoga, is there a lot of emphasis on purifying the body and creating the body to be a pure vessel so that that vibration can be heard through the body or through, expressed through the playing of music? You know, I suppose I really need to answer that honestly and say that many of the musicians I've known who were so clear in the way that they would reflect the divine in their music often had terrible health habits. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, including my, my great guru, Ali Akbar Khan. Um, you know, it, and in certain cases you would find that to be the case uh, where there was a strong emphasis, say, on having a particular kind of diet and avoiding intoxicants and so on. But um, I, I can't say, I say really the first and foremost thing was the depth of your practice in the music. For example, Ali Akbar Khan, when he was a young man starting from a very early age and for nearly 30 years, would play or practice 14 to 16 hours every single day. 14 to 16 hours every day for 30 years. And then by this incredible grace, he took the fruits of all of that sadhana and shared it with those of us from the West who are usually really quite clueless about this great art of Indian classical music. It was a huge gift to literally thousands of students around the world that lives on even though he passed away this last June. You know, I have so many more questions, but I would like to get back to the original one that I asked, and now I even forget what that question was, but I'm hoping Heather will remember. <laughs> We're asking about devotion and bhakti yoga and um, my experience with that. Yes. And what, what I can say is that there's something that is so beautiful and so mysterious about the mantras and the way they open us. You know, if you, if you go to a yoga class and you show up and do the asanas, there's some kind of opening that's going to happen. You don't know exactly how or what or when or why, but it does happen. And with, with chanting mantras, it's the same thing. You show up and chant, and eventually something happens, and the heart begins to open. 
And there are so many different ways to experience that opening in Kirtan, so many different ways that I've experienced it. But there's this beautiful pouring out of the heart that happens, and it's, it's just beautiful. <coughs> and I, I live for those moments. You know, they, they, they nourish me so deeply. And are there particular mantras that you chant on a regular basis in your own sadhana? Right now, we're in the process of um, taking a year-long meditation training with uh, a wonderful teacher named Paul Muller Ortega, and um, we're getting to learn a lot of new and wonderful mantras that we weren't really exposed to before, and I'm really grateful for that. And so I'm in a, in a great learning process myself right now. And, um, you know, I've, I've had lots of different experiences with different mantras, and I, I haven't had the sense that... A particular mantra does a particular thing or opens me in a particular way. I think maybe some people have had that experience. Mm-hmm. I will say that, for example, with some of the goddess chants and the ma chants, that there's sometimes that the heart can just crack open and, and people cry or, or we cry or something like that, and I, I, I can't really explain that. There's this, this longing for the mother and this incredible healing that happens when we get immersed in, in her love. And when you lead kirtans, it's kirtan in the traditional sense that it's audience participation. Is that right? Yes, it, it really is. And, uh, I mean, there's a beautiful analogy that actually Wa made in a recent article she wrote for Yoga Magazine. You know, it's, it's probably kind of a nice thing if you go to a yoga class and watch the instructor go through the asanas, but you get a lot more out of it if you do the asana yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really <laughs> analogous with the singing. It's really great if you go and you have the sonic experience, and some people are shy, but really the magic starts to happen when you sing, and it's such a beautiful and supportive group environment. Uh, I find that it has been a great community builder as we've traveled from place to place, you know, all over North America and Europe and Central America and even Indonesia. We just find the way that people bond together in this practice is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yes, and and uh, I think that's a, a very beautiful comparison or metaphor that um, of the difference between participating and and observing or witnessing. And I know that I've heard Krishna Das say on many occasions that you got to practice; you just got to do it. So, how long have you been leading kirtans together? Yeah, uh, we've been doing it for about 10 years now and really as you know what we do in our lives for more than eight years uh it's just been a magnificent journey and uh a lot of times of course it's taken a leap of faith to just be able to keep going and think that we can feed ourselves and have a roof over our heads (laughs) people have been so kind to us uh over time so yeah you know about a decade we've and can you share maybe uh, one or two stories that really stick with you about the effect that, or the impact of kirtan when people participate in this? I just feel over the, over the course of an evening that there is uh, a softening and a deepening and increasing joy and and lovingness that that gets cultivated during each kirtan and sometimes that can be very ecstatic you know when people get up and, and dance or they're they're singing very expressively 
sometimes it gets really still and people get very quiet and inward and they, they just go deep inside themselves into their own hearts. I think Benji wants to add something too. Mm-hmm. Well, you had mentioned, uh, you know, with respect to a particular story and in many cases actually you've had something along the lines of this happen where someone in the audience has recently lost somebody they cared about very, very deeply and they would come up to us after the kirtan often with tears in their eyes and just obviously opened up like crazy and saying that they felt really sweetly reconnected and then it was like a salve for their heart. Hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's moved us so much to feel that we might be able to play that kind of role in people's lives sometimes. You must really love the all the things that brought you to the place where you are now because it's a beautiful thing that you're doing and creating and uh, I'm sure that you you feel gratitude every day for being in that place. I think you took the words right out of my mouth. That is something, I mean, when I get up every day and I think about what it is that we're blessed to be able to do, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that this truly is a calling. I don't think either of us at this point in our lives could imagine what we would do if we weren't doing this. And that the pathway is opened up for us, you know, through the grace of people who sponsor the kirtans, for the people who are coming to the kirtans, is a gift that we just are incredulous about almost every day. It's such a blessing for us. Now, you know, you're really making me want to be there on Friday night, and I had made... I have a prior commitment to actually a satsang of a com spiritual community that I belong to, but I'm really, really wanting to meet both of you and experience the kirtan, and I really hope. Um, I'm not sure what I'll do on Friday. I think I'm going to play it by ear and just see where my heart leads me. Um, but I do hope that this won't be the last time you come to Vancouver and you'll make it a part of your tour every year that you go on tour. We'd love to have this as part of our regular life. You know the kirtan's on Sunday, right? Sunday, yes, Sunday. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Sunday, I do have something too, though, um, which is harder to get out of. But I, again, I'll uh, I'll see where my my heart leads me. But I'm I. It's been really wonderful to talk to both of you, and listen to the. I would say the. The beauty that you bring to kirtan, it really. That was Heather Wertheimer, he Heather and Benji Wertheimer in a pre-recorded interview. And now I think it would be nice to listen to some of their music. The uh, event that they were speaking about has already passed, but hopefully they will be back again in Vancouver. And now we'll listen to something from their CD called Live in Love. And this is Ma Durga. That was Heather and Benji Weitimer. I think I said their name right. And that was from their CD, Live in Love from Shantala, which is, I think, the name that they um, they call themselves when they perform kirtans. They were in Vancouver a few weeks ago, and they were brought here by Banyan Books and Give Peace a Chant, who also hosts local kirtans. So if you're interested, you can keep your eye out on the Banyan Books website or Give Peace a Chant website, which is givepeaceachant.org. And I'm sure that Heather and Benji will be back again soon. 
Before we continue with our interview, the music that you heard at the beginning of the show I also wanted to introduce, and that was Om Ram Ramaya, which is a mantra that is sung by Deva Premal, and that's off of her album Embrace. And the translation is Om and salutations to that perfection in the physical form, which is Rama, whose attributes exist in all of us eternally. And both uh, Deva Pramal and uh, Shantala produce beautiful, beautiful music. If you like the music of our show or you have suggestions or you uh, can't remember what you've listened to, then please write to us. We're happy to hear from our listeners and to hear about what you like and to give you more information if you aren't able to write it down at the time that you hear it. And before we continue with our interview, one last thing is I just want to apologize for the quality of the interview. We had some difficulties with the the sound quality, so I hope that despite the technical difficulties, you're still able to hear the message clearly. And now we'll continue with our interview with Heather and Benji Weitimer. You've been listening to an interview with Heather and Benji Wertheimer, and we're back to continue and to talk a little bit more about Kirtan. So let's talk a little bit about something that I think is very, very much related, and you mentioned before, Benji, is the sadhana. You lead Kirtans in the community and at studios and all over the world, and what is your own personal sadhana? Do you incorporate chanting and mantra into how you practice and how you connect with the divine personally? Absolutely, yes. And uh, Heather had mentioned at an earlier point in the interview, we've been blessed to study with this great, great tantric scholar and meditation teacher named Paul Muller Ortega. And we've been diving into some of these mantras as a part of our practice, often prior to the meditation uh, we'll recite various different mantras or invocations, and at the end of the meditation, we'll do the same. And then also, during the meditation itself, there are those mantras that are meant to be silently reflected inside. So it's a very big part of all kinds of sadhana that we do. I've also long considered, of course, music to be my primary sadhana. To sit and practice is not just so that I can get great technique, but it's really my means of trying to connect ever more deeply to the divine principle that is at the essence of music itself. Mm-hmm. And Heather, for you? We have a really sweet meditation room at home, and I like to just sit and chant and sing, and sometimes I'll just sing whatever comes up and whatever comes out. Sometimes I'll choose particular mantras or particular chants to sing, I'm, I sing the Hanuman Chalisa a lot, and I just go with, with what I'm feeling at that time. We have sweet altars set up to the goddess, and, and, and you know, it, it's just very special to be in there chanting. You know, I also chant a lot in the car. You chant a lot? In the car. In the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to chant. <laughs> yes. We have, a, we have a CD of these tambura drones that we can just sing with. Mm-hmm. We'll do an Indian vocal practice and sometimes just chanting. And then I'll listen to Kirtan myself. I like I like Krishna Das's chanting a lot. And so I sometimes chant with him in the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you ever feel that this is not the first time you've come to this practice and this is not the first time 
you've heard these words and these mantras? Do you ever have that feeling? Well, I have a have a similar feeling, which is when I when I really got on this path. One of the one of the earlier events we did that that blew me wide open was for the one of the Anasara Yoga certified teacher gatherings. The 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 people there were quite phenomenal people, and we got to chant with them at one of their earliest gatherings that they ever had. And there was this moment when I was leading Kirtan in that group where I, I suddenly heard these words inside of me. This is what I'm alive for. This is why I'm alive. This is, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. So often have that feeling. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm in, when I'm leading Kirtan, it's so alive and, and such a beautiful place. And I think we, Benji and I have had a, the last couple of months off of the road for the most part. And we just starting back up on tour again. And last weekend we were playing at um, Unity of Seattle Church, you know, Sunday morning services. And we both had this feeling of, of just coming home again, coming back to the mantras, that we've, we've missed chanting with a group and we've missed being in the, the beauty of that energy that we get to bask in during, during Kirtan. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful collective energy. Yes. Benji, what about you? Do you ever have that feeling that you've been there before? Absolutely. And I find that that comes up in particular for me probably because we could say she's my, my main girl is the goddess known as Saraswati. Mm-hmm. You know, music, learning, the arts, the voice, philosophy, but of course especially music. And even from some of the first times that I had come in contact with Saraswati through my gurus, who were both devotees of hers, um, there was something that felt completely timeless and uh, I had a memory that seemed to precede my own birth. I don't know how else to verbalize it really about the Saraswati in particular. And for me, some of the mantras for Saraswati are the most powerful and connect me to my essence the most quickly and often the most deeply. Can you say or sing one of those for us on air? Um, no, I could. Uh, certainly one of them is uh, a very key mantra for Saraswati, which is Om Aim Saraswati Namaha. Om Aim Saraswati Namaha. Yes, Om Aim Saraswati Namaha. And every time I recite that mantra, I'm actually transported back to the very first time I got to visit my guru's puja room to Saraswati. (laughs) And it was an experience in which I felt in a fraction of a second every ounce of energy he had poured into his practice over those 30 plus years of 14 to 16 hours a day went straight to my heart. I I was just going to ask you about your relationship um, with your guru. What was it like to meet him for the first time? Well, it was very interesting because I do have the unique position of having two gurus and two different instruments in the Indian classical tradition. And I met my guru on tabla, the great Zakir Hussain, when I was just a junior in high school in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> he came to the Naropa Institute there, and I had already gotten quite an interest in tabla, but when I heard him play and saw him play, it was an epiphany that made clear to me where I wanted to go. 
And so it, it was, I mean, truly a life-changing experience. And from that point, I determined that as soon as I got out of high school, I was going to go out to the San Francisco Bay Area where he was teaching and learn from him. And it was at that time that I first encountered Ali Akbar Khan. And when I first saw Ali Akbar Khan and Zakir Hussein play together, it was like a marriage of the gods. It was to try to even begin to describe where I heard that music going it is very difficult because it goes into a place in myself that I can't verbalize, that it's just a pure heart-centered experience of vibration. And so I was very, very fortunate in that I was able to spend about an 11-year period studying very intensely with both of them. How beautiful to hear about um, how you came to your gurus and how lucky for you that not only you met one who changed your life so dramatically, but two. That's really um, a most beautiful thing. I, I, I couldn't agree more, and for those who may not be familiar with their music, imagine, if you will, the gift of being able to sit not with just Mozart, but Mozart and Beethoven in the same lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Now, tell us a little bit, just to end, Anusara Yoga is becoming very popular here in Vancouver. There are many people who very much resonate with that path. What, what about the Anusara path really resonates for each of you? What I, I love, I think, most of all, there's so many things I love about Anusara Yoga, there are principles of alignment in Anasara Yoga, and some of them relate to physical alignment. Mm -hmm. But the first principle is called opening to grace. And honestly, that's what I feel my entire life is about, what I want it to be about. And that feeling permeates the physical practice of yoga. I find the community to be very friendly, enthusiastic, the teachers are, are phenomenal, and um, certainly John Friend has, has helped us endlessly and is a source of constant inspiration. Um, so, so Anasara has been part of my life for probably about 13 years now. Mm -hmm. And Benji, is, is it also the kind of asana yoga that you practice? It certainly is. Uh, it, you know, I, I suppose the blessing for me is that it was the first yoga that I was seriously exposed to, uh, and the heart-centered nature of it spoke to me immediately. Uh, you know, part of the thing is, why, for example, do you want to adopt a particular pose on a mat? What's the reason? And, and John, and in all of these classes, would sort of challenge us to say, what is it that we really care about that we're giving ourselves to as we move this way, and to look at the asana practice as this celebration of the gift of being embodied. And as somebody who was raised in a very academic environment, mm -hmm. it was such a beautiful invitation into my body that it was, you know, it was quite irresistible and really helped me to connect with myself in a completely different, and I feel, a much deeper way than I'd ever been able to before. We, um, we've been lucky to have a conversation with John Friend here on Drishti Point. Unfortunately, I wasn't present at that interview, but... Um, I know that it was a very beautiful interview, and and we've played it several times on our show, and I really hope that the next time I, too, will have the opportunity to meet him and, um, and experience 
experience his presence because I know that there's a there's a certain presence that he has. Well, one of the ways that I put it most often is that I think John Friend is probably the most aptly named yoga teacher on the planet. <laughs> uh, he really does feel like a friend, and you know, in the many many years that we toured with John, I just have to say that watching the transformations people went through never got old and you'd see it happening over and over again and see an expression on somebody's face or an opening they had after a backbend or I mean a long range of different things that happened that are just exquisitely beautiful wonderful well it's been so great to have you here on Drishti Point to feel as though you're close to us here in Vancouver even though you're still a couple thousand miles away and for those of you who are interested in going to the event, I'm sure you have the details and can tell us about it. It'll be on Sunday, this coming Sunday, January 24th, and that will be, you'll be playing at? We're playing at the uh, Canadian Memorial Center for Peace. Right. That's at 1825 West 16th Avenue in Right, and that will be at 16th and Burrard. And I know you can get tickets at Banyan Books. And your website is Shantala... Shantalamusic.com. Shantalamusic.com. Great. Well, thanks again for being with us. I hope that we'll have the opportunity to see each other face-to-face -face and in person. And uh, we definitely look forward to having you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings. <laughs> <laughs>